You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. When trials and persecution are swirling around us, we can't be so desperate for an escape that we will compromise. Indeed, we must remain under and stay true. Now, I want you all to get this. When the heat is on, real believers remain under that fire and they stay true. They don't run, they remain under the load. They take it, they endure. Have you ever compromised your faith? Have you ever been to the pressures of this world and left your morals behind? Today, Pastor Jeff explains that no matter how difficult the going gets, you must never back down. Even in our seeker-friendly society, you'll always be let down when the world's wisdom seeps into your faith. Dropping what you know to be true for the sake of being popular or less polarizing will always serve to destroy you. Remain true to what you know is right in the eyes of the Lord. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Mark chapter 13 as he continues his message, Jesus the Prophet. Now remember when Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. Therefore, you're headed for certain destruction. You're going to see a crash. They did not receive Jesus, the Messiah. John records he came to his own, but his own, that is the Jew, did not receive him. Now, folks, it's a serious thing when God visits your life and you don't receive the visitation. Now, it was major, major when they did this with Jesus because he was the the long-awaited Messiah. But look what happened to them when they turned the visitation of God away. See, when God visits you and me, we either receive it and we let him bless us and we bow to it and we thank him for it or we walk away from that visitation and we walk away from the visitation. All that can wait for you is negative. It's not good. And that's why America has to wake up. Because God has visited America over and over again. I'm not going to harp on this because we're going to look at what happened to Jerusalem. Here's Jerusalem, the holy city, where the holy temple was, where all the sacrifices were performed. And yet Jesus said, because you did not know or recognize the hour of your visitation, the temple is coming down. And he said, you're going to be scattered to the four corners of the world. Now, the Jewish people, 40 years after Jesus had said this, a war took place between the Romans and the Jews. The Jews were decimated, totally wiped out. And the ones that managed to escape were scattered to the four corners of the earth. And they knew not a homeland again until 1948. 20 centuries of dispersion, 20 centuries gone because they knew not the hour of their visitation. And Jesus said to them, this temple, the glory of this city, everything you're putting your trust and your faith in that is of this world, it's all gonna come down. It is said by some historians that at the fall of Jerusalem, the last surviving Jews of the city fled to the temple because it was the strongest, most secure building in the city. Roman soldiers surrounded it, and one drunken soldier started a fire that soon engulfed the whole building. The beautiful gold detail work in the roof 
melted down in the cracks between the stone walls of the temple and to retrieve the gold, the Roman commander ordered the temple be dismantled stone by stone. Jesus had long been gone, but the greatest prophet of all said it's all coming down. The destruction was so complete that today they have true difficulty learning exactly where the temple was. The Jewish historian Josephus writes about this tragedy and he says, quote, now as soon as the army had no more people to kill or plunder, Caesar gave orders that they should now demolish the entire city and temple. And this was the end which Jerusalem came to. And folks, it had been so different if they had received the time of their visitation. Is God knocking on the door of your heart in any way? Has he visited you? Has he asked to have a place in your life? Before you tell him no, I'm going to tell you, he stands at our lives at crossroads. When there's a fork in the road, he stands there. If you walk away from me, there is only destruction. Think about the stunning 100% accuracy of Jesus' prediction. 70 years after his crucifixion, it came to pass something impossible. These huge stones, this magnificent temple, all brought down and not one stone left standing on another, just like he said. The literal fulfillment of this prophecy establishes the tone for the rest of the prophecies in the chapter. We ought to expect a literal fulfillment, amen? If this happened just like he said, exactly, where not one stone was left on another, of this huge edifice, then what about the rest of what he said? Can you say that we're, we're pretty wise to say, well, he knew what he was doing when it came to prophecy. And whatever he said in the rest of the chapter, we need to take a hard look at it. Can you agree with me on that one, church? Now, Jesus' prediction brings two questions to the minds of his disciples. They heard him say this and they said, really? The first thing that they wanted to know, it says, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, quote, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? Now, tell us, when will these things be? When, when is this going to happen, Lord? The first question on their minds was concerning the timing, the timing of the destruction of the temple. Jesus said it would be destroyed, and they wanted to know when. Mark does not record Jesus' answer to the first question, but if you want to find it, Luke does in Luke 21, 8 through 23. But I'm not teaching Luke, I'm teaching Mark. So let's move on. And let's see what the sign, when all these things will be fulfilled. What about the sign? What will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? The second question is answered in Mark. In the remainder of Mark 13, now I think the reason they wanted to know this is because as soon as he said the temple's going to be destroyed, their minds shot back to when the first temple, Solomon's temple, was destroyed. And they were taken off to Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And Jeremiah writes about it in the book of Lamentations. And he says, I saw them going by in chains. I wept tears like a crocodile. I cried and wept and my heart was broken as God's chosen people were carried off to a strange land wherein, uh, or whereof David wrote when he said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? He was in Babylon. And they were taken off to captivity and the temple was destroyed. And they shot back to that and said, oh no, are you saying that something terrible is going to happen to the Jewish people again? Then Jesus then gives the flow of history 
until his return. Now he's going long range and he's going to tell us what's coming in the future. In verses five through eight of Mark 13, Jesus describes general world conditions during the period between his ascension and the time immediately preceding his second coming. So this matters to you and to me. Jesus answering them began to say, take heed that nobody deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am he, that is Messiah, and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famine and troubles. These are what, everybody? Just the beginning, the beginning of sorrows. The Greek uh, suggests the beginning of birth pain. These are just the beginning. Now let's just take it. Take heed that nobody deceives you. We all know that Jesus predicted in the last days. And when were the last days, by the way? When did they begin? They began when he rose from the dead. Well, I thought we were in the last days. We're in the last of the last days. But the last days began when Jesus rose from the dead. He said, this is what it's going to look like from my resurrection to my return. These general signs are going to mark this world, and this world will never be free of these things that I'm about to tell you. Take heed that nobody deceives you. There's going to be a lot of people coming along saying, I'm the Messiah. You're going to be inundated with false messiahs who come in his name. They pretend to be Jesus or representatives of Jesus, but will not be true representatives of Jesus at all. The sheep's clothing they wear is saying, I'm from Jesus. That's the sheep's clothing. But inside, they are ravenous wolves looking to deceive and devour. And our age, the last of the last days, we've got more than our share of false messiahs. They're everywhere. The latest one, uh, he's a fellow, I can't remember his name. That's a good thing. I wouldn't want to say it on radio. But uh, he's out there and he just goes out to his group. I saw him uh, on TV just recently. Uh, one of the, uh, I think it was Dateline, went and did a show on him. And he goes right out in front of his people in, in hotel lobbies that he's rented. And he says, I'm Jesus. And they, <laughs> woo! He says, bring me your money. And they bring watches down, gold watch. They bring money. They bring jewelry. They bring all of it. He says, I've, I'm Jesus. I've got a word from God. Here's the latest word from God. Funny thing. They ran a check on his name. Jesus has been arrested in the past. <laughs> but that didn't bother his followers. Must have been a persecution. Arrested. But they believe him. And, and he's got thousands of followers. Jesus said they'll be everywhere. And then he said wars and rumors of wars. Jesus reminds us that before he returns... There will be many wars, threats of war on the earth, in troubled times. Many people assume the end of the age is near because it's a troubled time. But just because it's troubled times doesn't mean we've reached the end. Now follow me. These are only birth pangs. These are only general signs. Jesus said that wars and rumors of wars are not indicative of the end, but they are symptomatic 
of the human race between the resurrection and the return. You know, if you study history at all, the study of man is the study of war. It's just the study of war, never-ending war. You can go all the way back to the earliest civilizations. They warred. They're warring now. They warred in ancient Greece. They warred in Rome. They've warred the whole time we've been on this planet. And Jesus said, when you hear of wars, terrible wars, cataclysmic wars, world wars, that's symptomatic of the times, but it's not indicative of the end. There's one sign for certain that tells you the end is near, at the door. And I'm going to cover that in just a minute. Such things must happen, but the end is not yet. Things like false messiahs, wars, famines, earthquakes have marked man's history uh, since the time of Jesus' ascension. In effect, Jesus is saying catastrophes are going to happen, but these do not signal the end. So let's move on. It's plain that Jesus intended his followers to endure through such times. Now, I'm going to talk to you about enduring just for a second. He's saying, don't let troubled times shake your faith. That's what he's saying. Don't let it shake your faith. Don't let it rattle you where your faith in God is questioned. Would a war, a famine, an earthquake, or some other catastrophe shake your faith? I'm going to tell you something, folks. I've heard newscasts recently of people that went through earthquakes or some catastrophe and they're looking up and they're saying, I don't believe in God anymore. Where was God? Jesus said, don't let natural catastrophes shake your faith. He said, because they're going to be there. War. Our friend here going off to Iraq. Jesus knew that was coming. Don't let that war shake your faith. I love the verse where it says, the Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. You got to just know that though it looks like things are out of control, providence is always in control. So don't let these things shake your faith. Jesus said, because this is just the beginning of sorrows. He said these calamities were not uh, to be specific signs of the end, but they were the beginning of sorrows, which is literally the beginning of labor pain. The idea is both of giving birth to a new age, and that's coming, and that there would be an increase or intensity and frequency in these calamities. That's what birth pangs, they start out like a few hours apart, they get closer and closer together. Jesus is saying these signs will happen with greater and greater frequency and intensity before the end of time, as we know it. Jesus goes on to describe what his disciples must expect during the time between his ascension and his second coming. What did he say? Watch out for yourselves. Do you know how many times Jesus told us to do that? I've talked to you over and over again about soul care. Jesus told us over and over again, you better watch out for yourself. Your mama can't watch out for your soul. I, I can talk to you a few times a week, but I can't be there to take care of your soul every day. Jesus said, watch out for yourself, for they will deliver you up to councils and you'll be beaten in the synagogues. You'll be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. <laughs> Can y'all just use your imagination a minute? All they said was, Lord, when will these things be? And man, he is leveling them 
would you listen to this? I mean, he's giving them a panoramic view of history till the end of time. Jesus was heavy stuff. Amen? But when they arrest you, he said, and deliver you up, don't worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you that hour, you know what that means? That means you're going to be in situations where you can't think about it ahead of time, plan about it ahead of time, write your notes down ahead of time. You're going to be pulled in front of people and they're going to say, testify. And you're going to have to be instant in season and testify of Jesus Christ. And these disciples all experienced it, every one of them. He said, whatever the Holy Ghost gives you, speak that, for it is not you who speak, but it's the Holy Spirit. Now, brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. And children are gonna rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you're gonna be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So there comes a time he just says, you're going to have to endure. Watch out for yourselves. They're going to deliver you up to councils. Jesus tells the disciples to be prepared for the persecution that will come against them before the end comes. This persecution, again, is not the sign of the end, but it simply should be expected. But it's not the sign. He said the gospel is going to first be preached to all the nations. But he also promises that before the end, the gospel is going to go out to the entire world. You know, I've got a dream. I want our little church here to have a part in taking the gospel to the whole world. I mean, I'm praying about it. I'm dreaming about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm studying it. I want to play a part in it. When I see just the power of what radio does, just radio in a Metroplex. It just blows my mind. And with technology coming along like it is, we might very well have a service someday that is transmitted around the world over and over again. That, as a matter of fact, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Jesus said it would, so I know it's going to. And he says, the presence of persecution does not relieve the church of this responsibility. When they arrest you and deliver you up, Jesus said, don't even think about it beforehand. When you're put on the spot, you're gonna know what to say as a follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is gonna give you the words to say. A great example of this is found in Acts 4, where Peter and the other disciples make a dramatic proclamation of Jesus before the hostile Sanhedrin. And I'm gonna tell you something, folks, when it's for your life or your liberty, You've got to have the Holy Spirit upon you. And don't think it can't happen in America. Persecution, it's already happening. It's already happening. Brother is going to betray brother. Followers of Jesus should expect the most painful kinds of rejection and betrayal. I know if I had police walk in this Sunday and put a gun up to me or handcuffs and said, if you preach what you're going to preach, we're taking you away. And anybody in here who sits and amends you, I wonder who would amen me. Seriously, the day's coming. I won't be able to stand up and say homosexuality is a sin or any one of a number of things that the Bible clearly says. I won't be able to say it 
but what I'm committing a hate crime in their eyes. I think it'll separate the men from the boys in those days. And I think a lot of preachers will bail. They've already bailed. They don't even preach the word anymore. It's tragic. They don't even tell you you need to be saved anymore. Don't preach the word sin anymore. They've gone weak and wimpy and spineless because of PC, political correctness. They won't even take a stand for the word anymore. Not me. I got called to preach the word, not three points in a poem and my own thoughts. That's right. It's easy for us to underestimate how difficult a time of persecution can be. Inside this building, I can easily say Jesus Christ is Lord. But if I came from an Orthodox Jewish family, they might consider me a blasphemer and account me as dead for choosing Jesus. If I came from a strict Muslim family, I might be rejected by my family and literally killed for choosing Jesus. If I came from a Hindu family in India, I could be rejected and martyred for choosing Jesus. In China, I'd be allowed to practice Christianity, oh yeah, in the state-sponsored church or be persecuted. My church might be one of the over 1,500 churches destroyed or shut down since November of 2000. In the Sudan, I might be killed or literally enslaved by a Muslim army for preaching Jesus. In Indonesia, I might be given a choice by Muslims, convert to Islam or die, or I might have my church bombed during a worship service. In Pakistan, I could be jailed by Muslim government officials. But let me look at, get you to look at this now on what Jesus said was coming to those who stood for the word. I want you to get this. According to David B. Barrett in his book, Today's Martyrs, some 165,000 Christians died for their faith in the year 2000. I'm going to say that again. 165,000 Christians died in the year 2000. Researchers estimate that since the day of Pentecost, more than 33 or 43 million Christians have been killed for their faith. 43 million. A persecution index provided by Open Doors with Brother Andrew lists 28 countries with strong or even massive persecution. In another 23 countries, Christians suffer discrimination and in some regions, severe harassment. And I'm going to stick America in that last 23 countries. Jesus said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Endures translates the ancient Greek word hupomeno, hupomeno, which literally means to remain under. When trials and persecution are swirling around us, we can't be so desperate for an escape that we will compromise. Indeed, we must remain under and stay true. Now, I want you all to get this. When the heat is on, real believers remain under that fire, and they stay true. They don't run, they remain under the load. They take it, they endure. I want you to say with me, there is one sign 
when you see it, lift up your head. He's a coming. One side. What a powerful message from Pastor Jeff. When Jesus wants to show us something, we need to listen. Do you know that he has always had you on his heart and wants nothing more for you than to dwell with him in his presence? The teachings of Jesus have always come true. And you can't waste time in making the decision to turn to him. Accept him into your life and be transformed like never before. Leave your past behind and be forever changed. If you're interested in learning about Hardwired, Diane has some things to share. Are you interested in partnering with us here at Hardwired? We'd love for you to come alongside us in supporting this ministry. All you have to do is text 817-484-4767 and enter the word GIVE to donate. That number once more is 817-484-4767 and text GIVE. Thanks so much for prayerfully considering this today. And thanks for listening. Daniel has more to tell you about what's ahead on the upcoming edition. Don't lose out on any of the wonderful insights from the Gospel of Mark. In his next message, Pastor Jeff shows you how to live in the promises of Jesus. He didn't come to this earth for magic tricks and large public speaking events. He came to save you from the mistakes that will forever hold you back. Lean into the perfect grace of Jesus and be a new creation. Stop carrying your burdens with you and be set free by the sacrifice made by Jesus. There's more Pastor Jeff has to share from the book of Mark, so be sure to join us again. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can find it online at hardwired.org. We're so glad we could be part of your day today, and we pray you've been blessed by today's edition of Hardwired.